0: This morning's message is entitled Dead or Alive. And this is part two of this series as we started in Romans chapter six. And as a Christian, it is so nice that the old things have passed away, the old things completely gone. That who we were before when we came to Jesus is not who we are now. And all of us should be able to say amen to that. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not who I used to be. Now that I identify with the death and the burial of Jesus Christ, I even as Jesus died on the cross, that was my flesh, the worst part of my sinful nature dead with Christ, buried in the tomb. And then the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that raised me into newness of life. I have been born again. I have been made alive spiritually. And in verse 13 of Romans 6, Paul writes and says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, word members, do not present any member of your body as a tool for unrighteousness living unto sin. Don't yield your members. Don't yield yourself to sin, for sin. But yield yourself to God and your body as the conduit, if you will, of righteousness unto God. In Romans 6 verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. If we were under the law and we had to try to keep every rule and regulation, just by way of recap before we get into verse 15 this morning, we would be condemned because the Bible says that we have all sinned and that we have all fallen short of God's perfect standards. But because we're under God's grace, we find forgiveness and freedom from sin. And the last study that we did two weeks ago, uh, last Sunday, we did that message uh, finished or complete for Valentine's Day. And so if you know anybody that is in relationships or would maybe benefit from that, it's uh, on the app or on the archives on the site. But two weeks ago, we looked at two points. Remember, wanted dead or alive, you know, you know, you would think that they're both mutually exclusive. You're either dead or you're alive. And we had two points last, last study in Romans where we looked at being dead to sin and alive to God. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, because Paul opened our first study in dead or alive with this question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, he says. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Hey, man, if I'm forgiven and more sin, the more grace, then what if I just sinned and just said, put it on Jesus' tab? You know, I'm not under the law anymore, so the the doing the right things and the wrong things, man, it's just all under God's grace. So Paul says, do you just continue sinning so that God's grace may abound? He says, certainly not. And that uh, leads us to point number one this morning, and we only have two points in our study And the first point is slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. And we begin in verse 15. Paul asks another question, even as he did in verses 1 and 2 of Romans 6. Now we're going to see here in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? He says, certainly not certainly not because if you think about it if God paid the price for all my sin why don't I just say put it on my tab and then I just keep racking up this tab because God's tab covers all of my sin and well, why don't I just live like that as a Christian I mean, it takes a lot of the pressure off you know I can do whatever I want to do and God's uh, grace covers it well You might think, well, well, I'm not under the law, man. I don't have to do the rules and the regulations, right? I'm under God's grace. So is it sin still because I'm not under the law but under grace? Or what if I just put maybe a modern twist on it? Hey, man, I'm not legalistic, so don't trip out. I can do whatever I want to do. I'm not under the law, man, so it's all good, You know, I find this really disturbing when Christians say things like, don't judge me or stop being so legalistic when it comes to sin. I'm not talking about peripherals, I'm talking about sin. And unfortunately, it's most common with people that grew up in Christian homes. If you came from a religious background or from a Christian home, those types of phrases are actually more common than somebody that didn't grow up in a Christian home. Because now that they grew up in a Christian home and they're adults or whatever, and maybe they went out to college or they're living on their, lo- on their own, they want to see what partying's like. They want to see what the world has to offer. Hey man, stop being so legalistic. Stop being so pharisaical. Stop judging me. And it's the people that have come out of the worldly lifestyle and give their lives to Jesus that are absolutely baffled why Christians want to do the same thing that they did when they were not Christian. And we see this all the time, all the time. For the people coming out of sinful lifestyles, they want to be as far away as possible from that old life. They came out of that. They're like, man, I want to get as far away from my old way of living that I possibly can because I've experienced the love of God. I've experienced forgiveness of sin. I've experienced freedom from bondage and addiction. I want to put some distance between me and that old lifestyle because I've experienced the grace of God. And I want to be dead to sin and I want to be alive to God. Yet it's so sad for those that have a rich heritage of being raised in a godly home to think mistakenly that the world has something for them. And they will tell me, stop tripping out, man. Stop being a Pharisee and the like. They want to see how close they can get to the world and the very thing that people coming out of the world are like get me as far away from that the person that's grown up in the Christian home wants to see how close can I get to that and still retain my fire insurance how far can I go into that and still be cool with God but for the person coming out of what the Christian is going into they think that leaving that lifestyle is just being holy And isn't that what it's all about, holiness and purity? The person coming out of the sinful lifestyle, they're like, well, didn't the Lord say be holy for I am holy? So if I'm in that lifestyle that's ungodly and sinful, then that's not being holy. And so the person that's coming to Jesus maybe later in their life, they're thinking, I just want to do the right thing. I just want to, I want to please the Lord and I want to, I want to do those things that bring honor to the Lord and then. Why is it that the person that grew up in the religious home or that has been to church is like how close can I get to that when the person that was been living in it's like why are you even getting close to that? And we see it happen all the time and it's so unfortunate. It's sad really because it's a deception. Into thinking that the world has something for you. And if Jesus is the standard and he says, Be holy for I am holy, then that means that whether you grew up in a Christian home or not, that you should try to distance yourself from sinful lifestyles as much as you possibly can. Not the, odds, oh, it's not that bad, you know, or, you know, stop being a legal, you know, a legalistic person, you know, stop. To, Wait a second, man, it's not even about that. Legalism would be adding rules on top of what God's Word says. That's the true definition of legalism. It is adding to what God says. Liberalism is taking away from what God's Word says. And so if somebody is saying, hey, depart from evil, that's not being legalistic. That is not adding to what God's Word says. And in verse 12 of Romans 6, Paul wrote and he said, therefore do not... Let Remember, I had you underline that in your friend's Bible next to you. Let. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. You don't have to let sin rule your life. Because of your faith in Jesus, you are empowered to live to holiness. And if you're dead to sin and alive to God, you have the power over sin. And the power, listen to me very carefully carefully. The power over sin is only available to those who have a personal relationship with Jesus, to that man or woman who has faith in God. Satan is a taskmaster, and many of us have served him for years and understand what a slave driver he is. And it's not the common practice for employees to tell their bosses no. It's definitely unheard of for a slave to tell his master no but when we became united with jesus remember we've been united with him through faith we became dead to sin and alive to christ we had the power to tell satan and the lusts of our flesh and people think well flesh what exactly is that and it can sound very christianese just think of it as the worst part of who you are all the desires that are naturally there for self-gratification, selfishness, lust. But when we were born again and made alive spiritually, we then we're given the power to say no to that. I don't have to commit that sin. I have a supernatural power that helps me overcome that. And we are no longer under sin's control. So for sin to reign in the life of a Christian, the believer has to let sin be in that position. You're letting it in verse 16, it says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Now, in verse 16, I think it's very interesting for us to, to note something here. I think it's very interesting that Paul uses the phraseology, Do you not know? Like, we would say, What do you, knew?" Like, how come you don't know this? Do you not know? And I think it indicates, number one, that there is something that Satan would love for you to not know about the power he has in your life through sin. And then secondly, I think it's important that we need to be aware of as Christians how we can eliminate unrighteousness and maximize righteousness in our lives. So what is it that you need to know? Well, it's this. It's all about yielding. Yielding. Y-I-E-L-D-I-N-G. yield yielding this verse says presenting yet it literally verse 16 can be translated yielding which can be defined as to give up to surrender as to superior power or authority do you not know to whom you yield yourselves slaves to obey you are that one slaves whom you obey whether you sin whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness Now, contrary to popular belief, mankind, man, is not the superior power. Your brain is not the superior power. Doesn't matter how high of an IQ that you may have, you will yield yourself to something one way or another. You will. You will. And that yielding takes place through your decisions to obey. You might say, well, what do you mean? What what is Paul saying here? Well, let me break it down for you like this. Sin is more powerful than you. God is more powerful than you. So your decision to obey sin or your decision to obey God is your decision to yield. You can choose to let sin rule in your life by obeying its desires or you can choose to allow God to rule in your life when you obey Him. You will yield to sin or to God. And both are, not equally might I add, both are powerful, more powerful than you or I so option number one obey sin you become a slave of sin and you know what you get at the end of that death option number two you obey God you become a slave to God and you know that what you get at the end of that decision right is righteousness and eternal life In John 8, verse 34, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, we think, man, that's pretty hardcore language that he's using, like a slave? If you sin, you are a slave to sin. You might think, well, that's not true. I'm not a slave. No, well, Jesus said, you sin, you're a slave to sin. That's the way that it goes. But in verse 17 of Romans 6, look back at your Bibles this morning. It says, but God... Be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. How amazing is that? We were slaves of sin, but through faith, remember it was all about yielding, obedience, Do I obey the sin or do I obey God? I will choose to obey one or the other. You might think, well, I'm neutral. No, there is no neutrality. It's either one or the other. Both powers are higher than you and you will yield as to a superior power. Either sin will dominate your life or righteousness through faith in Jesus will dominate your life. Now, Paul doesn't mince words when it comes to the question of being enslaved to sin. Jesus said, you are a slave to sin. And Paul says, thank God that you were a slave to sin. <laughs> you might think, With well, thank God that I was. No, the very fact that it's past tense means that God has saved you from that. That by faith in Jesus, you can say, I was like that, and now I am no longer like that. And how are you set free? Your obedience from your heart. In Romans 10, 9, And verse 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from your taskmaster, the slave driver. Satan, sin, no longer controls you. You're set free from that. Could you imagine that? If you think about this practically, like I am now addicted to doing things that are right and are good and that are beneficial and that are helpful and that matter as opposed to being addicted to something that destroys, that alienates, that eliminates, and that absolutely has ruined my life. Like I am free from those things. Like you don't understand how happy that makes makes me that I am a new man that we are a new creation in Christ this is only made possible through faith in Jesus this is the good news it's called the gospel and we like we don't understand how significant that is and I think that we should reevaluate our position when it comes to how close can I get to the fire man I came out of that well, I don't want to see how close I can get back to it. Your obedience to God delivers from the power of sin leading to death. And now we've been set free from sin. We're slaves of righteousness. Man, I'm working for the right person. I'm living my life for God. And we went from serving the thing that destroys us, which is sin, to serving the thing that helps us, which is righteousness. That's what Paul's saying here, and that's why point number one was a slave to sin. Slaves to sin. You commit sin, you're a slave to sin. It doesn't matter how moral you are. You could be a really good moral person that does a bunch of nice things, but that doesn't remove the issue of sin. You sin, and you are a slave to sin. You put your faith in Jesus, you are now set free from being enslaved to sin, and now you're enslaved to righteous living. Man, this is what I want to do, and this is the best master I could ever have. Best boss I could ever work for. Is one that actually has my best interests in mind, not one that was trying to destroy me which, leaves me, which leads me now to point number two, which is slaves of God. In verse 19, it says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. He's saying, I'm using the slave analogy so that you'd understand exactly what I am saying. And as you know from history, Rome itself, to whom this letter was written, the church in Rome, that there was almost, if not more, that actually there were more slaves than free in the city of Rome. And so slavery was something that was a very vivid reality for the people that were living during this time. And so they would understand very clearly what Paul was saying Do you want to be enslaved to sin or do you want to be enslaved to righteousness? It should be a no-brainer. But point number two, slaves of God, verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness, remember the word presented can also be yield, because remember there is a higher power. and You're either going to serve the power or you're going to serve the power, which is sin. For just as you yielded your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now yield your members. Present yourself as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Here's a little practical tip from Paul. Before your faith in Jesus, you yielded yourself as a slave to uncleanness and lawlessness and it just kept on going. But now... Yield your bodies as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Holiness. And I think that's something that we don't talk enough about in church today. We really don't want to touch on the subject of sin. Sorry, we, that went out the window a long time ago. When I go to church, I don't want to talk about turning from my sin or death on the cross, Jesus dying for me. I don't want to talk about, you know, I don't want to hear the things that tell me that, you know, maybe what I'm doing is not right. And you have a lot of people that want to come to church where they just want their ears tickled and they don't want to hear from God's word. But love it or hate it, at least if you come here, you're going to hear what God's word says so that you're able to know what the truth is. And Jesus said that you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But holiness is not something that we talk about enough. Reverence for God. This respect and honor for God. To be holy and righteous in the sight of the Lord. Holiness literally can mean purity or sanctification. Purity is a very special thing. Think about it for a moment. Pure thoughts. Pure motives. Pure intentions. Pure communication, pure gold, pure water, pure goodness. These things are good things. Those things are good things. Purity is a good thing. Holiness, sanctification, being set apart from those that are not set apart. Sanctification literally means be set apart. You are set apart from those that are not set apart. Is that circular reasoning? No. Listen, you are set apart by your obedience to the Lord from those that are disobedient to God. The Lord sets apart those that follow him from those that do not follow him. Sanctified. It means that my lifestyle as a follower of Jesus, I am yielding myself to God because I have a choice to make and I will yield to something. I'm either going to yield to sin leading to death or I'm going to yield to righteousness leading to eternal life. Which one is it going to be? Because I will submit to the higher power and I either will allow sin to be the power in my life or I'll allow almighty God to be the power in my life. That's why I choose and I have chosen personally to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because you will yield and you will present yourself in such a way. So why would I think that it's being legalistic to be pure? Why would I think that it's just too narrow to not be like people that are not like Jesus? You're a Pharisee. No, listen. I'm not telling you That there's things you need to add in order for you to be saved. But when it comes to holy, righteous living, why are we trying to get so close to the line? We should be running from that line. But we'll inch up closer and closer. And we'll get upset at people that want to tell us what the Bible says. What would it look like If we went all out for the Lord like we used to go all out for our sin. I mean, could you imagine that? When we're over in this lifestyle, whatever. whatever, And then all of a sudden we get saved and we're just sitting here like, Kumbaya, my Lord, or whatever. And you're like, what in the world, man? It's like you used to be hardcore. For those things that were against God that you knew were destroying you. That you woke up the next day and said, I can't do this anymore. We need a change. Lord, help us be hardcore for you. Let's not see how close we can get to the line called sin, but rather how close can we get to that line called holiness. Both of those lines are at the opposite end. Of the spectrum. The closer to sin you are, the further from holiness, and the closer to holiness, the further from sin. In verse 20, from when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. Hey, when you were enslaved to sin, you were free to not do the right thing. You just did whatever you wanted, whatever was right in your own eyes, whatever felt good. You know, pretty much anything you hear in Power 106. You know, just like, hey, man, this feels good. You know, the only thing different between us, you have at least a couple million or whatever it might be. You know, we see these things in our lives that are all about self-gratification. Hey, what's ever good for you, man? You get ahead. Look out for number one. And find that's completely opposite to the way the Lord would say, be pure and be holy. Don't try to see how many women you can hook up with or take advantage of. Don't see how many people you can backstab and climb upon for you to get ahead. I mean, all of these things are completely contrary to how the Lord would tell us to live as slaves of righteousness. If I'm committing sin, I'm enslaved to sin, and I must do that which is sinful. So why continue in sin? I mean, I ask that rhetorically, but it's like it only leads to death and destruction. Why would we want to continue in that? Why would we want to go back into that? Why would we want to go into the very thing that God saved us out of? Why would we be so stupid to think that the world has something more? It didn't have anything more back then and it doesn't have anything more right now. Maybe you think you've got sin under control. Hey man, it's tamed. I got it under control. But you flirt around with it. You keep it around just in case you need it. You keep it around for perks or for entertainment. Be aware. Be aware. If you give yourself even a little bit over to sin, it will kill you. You need to destroy it completely out of your life because sin begets sin which begets sin. And sin gets deeper and deeper and deeper. It compounds. There's no little sins. They get worse and worse and worse. You try to escape from your old slave driver's sin and he'll show up at your front door. He'll ask if he can come in and just say hi real quick. He'll ask for a quick drink just feed me a little bit. You'll let him in and he'll ask you to cover him up and don't tell anyone that he's there. And if anyone asks, he'll tell you to lie because he just wants a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Don't give in. Change your phone number. Move houses. Get out of those old jobs. Come clean. Make no provision for the lusts of the flesh. In Romans thirteen 14, we'll be there in a couple months. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. In verse 21, Romans 6, as we wrap up here. For what fruit, it says, what fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. What good came out of the previous lifestyle that you had before coming to Jesus? What were the benefits? Because I guarantee you, if you think about it honestly, if you're living in sin, you're empty. And you're looking for the next high constantly. And you're wondering if there is something more. And you might try to stay so busy that you don't have to deal with your thoughts and you don't want to be alone in your room to think about the reality of your life that it doesn't matter how much money you have or how many things you have or how cool you are or how many followers on Twitter you have. It doesn't matter. All of those things might be masks to the issue that's inside. That's why he says, I mean, and and if we're honest with each other, it's like what fruit do you have that came out of a life that was against God? Well, sin leads to death, so the fruit of that was death. I've ruined relationships. I've hurt myself, or whatever it might be. He says, for the end of those things is death. The hangovers, the liver disease, the communicable diseases. Why would you want to get anywhere near those things which have caused such pain and such shame? And the end of all paths apart from Jesus is death. And there's no other way of saying it, and there's no way around it. If you look at sin, nothing good comes out of it. It brings shame, and it brings death. You think, oh man, look at the celebrities, look at the, the guys that are just rolling in cash, look at the, you know, the, the musicians, look at the pop stars, look at the actors, look. and you look at all these things and you think, that's really what I want. Why are the funniest comedians committing suicide? Why are the richest billionaires not happy with the money that they have? I mean, ask yourself these things. Be honest with yourself and think, man, why would I want to pursue those things? Sin leads to death and emptiness. I don't want it. And that's why Paul says in verse 22 as we conclude, but now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. It's like, what fruit came out of sin? Things you're shameful of. And he says, what fruit comes from following after the Lord? Holiness. That's what we want holiness and righteous living I mean you meet somebody that's just pure and you see people that taint people you know and you you even look at children you think oh they're so pure and you know they don't know you know the realities and ugliness of life and you think that's and that's such an amazing thing and you meet somebody that's pure and that's righteous and that's holy before the Lord doesn't mean that they haven't made mistakes doesn't mean that they won't make mistakes But what it does mean is that they've been changed by Jesus Christ. They've been filled with the Spirit and they're now pursuing holiness and righteousness. So you're a servant of God. And the fruit that comes from your life that was once shame and death is now holiness and everlasting life. And our last verse for this morning, which is, let's see, 310, 323, 58, 623, is the fourth verse in what's called the Romans Road, which says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hold that close to your heart. The wages of sin, it might be pleasurable. I'm not going to lie, it is pleasurable for a moment. Sin is fun for a moment. But it brings death. It brings shame. And it brings emptiness and hurt. So, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm not going to see how close I can get back to the line because God raised me from the dead spiritually. I was dead spiritually. Now I'm alive spiritually. I don't want anything to do with that. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let me ask you, what do you want to yield to? Because you're going to yield to something. The greatest power or the greater power of sin, which leads to death, or the greatest power of God, which gifts you with eternal life. And I just felt this appropriate to read this morning, Joshua twenty four fifteen, as he spoke to the people of Israel, he said, if it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, meaning these false gods, serving sin and the lust of the flesh. But he says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, God, that you've given us this opportunity to be here and to open it and to really, Lord, deal with real life things not sugarcoating it not pretending that the realities aren't realities but lord to be able to open your word and to honestly lord maybe do some introspection some uh, reevaluation, revaluation lord of, of where we're at but then also lord maybe we've been challenged today for holiness and righteous living Maybe we've found ourselves compromising and we really, at best, are nominal. I pray, God, that you would help us to repent and turn from our sin. Lord, help us not to be men and women that are like, how far can I go? Lord, but no, how far can I go away from sin? Not how far can I go into it? How long will this rope on my leg last as I walk into sin and they can pull me out? Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to abstain from all appearances of evil. I pray that we would do that as men and as women. Lord, first and foremost, our personal relationship with you, if we're married, I pray that we would do that as a married couple. If we have children, then Lord, you would help us set a good example of what it means to be committed to you. That we wouldn't be fair-weather Christians or we wouldn't be compromising Christians or worldly Christians, Lord, but that we would be men and women that have a desire just to do what's right and to do things which honor you and to yield ourselves as slaves to righteous living and holiness. That the things we see and the things that we hear and then the way that we speak, the things coming out of our mouths and the actions of our lives, Lord, would be representing a holy God who has transformed our lives. And so, Lord, that is the call. The call is to holiness. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me and my house and, Lord, and all the houses that are represented here this morning, Lord, To be even as Joshua said, hey, there's people that don't want to serve the Lord and they don't want to do the right thing, and that's between them and, and God. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Lord, may we not choose to serve sin, but may we choose, Lord, to serve you. And please help us, Lord, this week to do so. And bring us back safely again on Sunday. Lord, we commit lovely to you. We commit house groups, Lord, to you. We ask that you would just pack those places out with people that just want to meet with you and grow in their relationship, Lord, with you and with each other. Father, we pray for depth charge starting tomorrow. We just pray that you would bless all the students, Lord. And I pray that you'd raise up maybe volunteers, parents that want to help out, or or homes, Lord, that can be met in, or, or whatever it may be, Lord. I ask, God, for your blessings on your church. And I pray that there would be a lot of dads and husbands here today, Lord, that have decided that for them and their house, they're going to serve the Lord. And they're going to be pure and holy. And then a lot of wives and moms, Lord, here, that are going to say, Hey, I'm right there. I'm right there. For me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And, Lord, we thank you for blessing your people. And we thank you for what you've done now. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray for all these things. And thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And a great week ahead. Let's all...